Hello, and welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I am your host, Father Patrick Wainwright. Last episode, we spoke about how learning about your faith, and especially the purpose of life, can change the direction of your life for the better. Today, we will bring in a guest and good friend of mine, and we will speak about the life of Blessed Carlo Acutis to see how faith definitely changed his life and made a great impact not only in his life and the family and his family but in the whole church. Thank you for joining me today in this new episode of our podcast for College Catholics. Please remember to check out our website at forcollegecatholics.org if you want to find out more about the show or if you want to check out previous episodes. Today I want to bring in a guest, college student Colton Duncan, to speak about the life of a recently beatified saint, Carlo Acutis. So hello, Colton, great to have you here. And how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you today in the, in the studio. And why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Okay, sounds good. So I'm currently a sophomore at Hillsdale College. I'm studying international business with a language focus in German. I also am a resident assistant at, at a dorm, the head resident assistant. And uh, what's really neat about Hillsdale is like the dorm culture is very, very uh, strong. So like each dorm has its own community and, uh, and it's, it's just a lot of fun to, to invest in that. And you have to, you're in charge like of 60 students, right? So you have to organize what things you, don't, you need to make sure they are disciplined. And you also have to kind of mentor them in some way. Yeah, so there's a lot of mentorship involved. Some of it's just simply dorm maintenance, making sure that people get along. Very and, you good. know, there's that 5% of the time when you're dealing with, you know, problems, heavier situations, you <laughs> could say. Good. Yeah. Well, now, why don't you tell me a little bit about other fun things about your life? For example, is there anything in your college life that was uh, important for your faith? Or if there's any other fun fact, like any hobbies that you like doing apart from studying and reading? Right. Apart from studying and reading. Wow. Uh, so recently I've been getting a, a lot more into writing. So I, I write a bit of poetry and I've been writing some, some articles for some student publications and, uh, and awesome. other small publications. That's a lot of fun. In terms of faith, really just having the time in college to, uh, you know, a lot of college students find it's a struggle to, to structure their lives a little bit because they have just total freedom. Um, I found that to be a challenge, yes, but also a big blessing because I now have the opportunity to uh, go to daily mass, you know, have a consistent prayer life and that sort of thing. So that, that, that's been a real blessing for me. Very good. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your life. And uh, today I wanted to bring up the topic of Carlo Acutis. It's a blessed that has been beatified some years ago, and I'd like you to give us your input about his life. Uh, I think it's important in his life that, uh, first of all, he's a very recent saint, um, and he was beatified in a short period of time. To beatify a saint, to beatify any person, any human being, right, there has to be even some miracles, and one of them has to be approved by the church as a real intervention of God through the saint. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Carlo Acutis? Okay, yeah, as you mentioned, he's a, he's a recent saint. So he was born in 1991. Uh, which, which I relate to quite a bit because I was born just two years later. Uh, so like he's, he's a contemporary almost. He's a kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just a kid. 
And uh, he was a kid when he when he passed. He died in 2006 at the age wow. of 15. 15 years old. Yeah, and uh, and his canonization. Or his, I'm sorry, his beatification was back in October in 2020. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So the fact that 14 years after his his death, he was beatified really really speaks a lot to his own sanctity on the one hand, and on the other hand, the desire of the church to you know, give all of the, the young Catholics in the world uh, a good example of what it means to be holy in our context, in our right, times. Absolutely, because it's good to know that there are young men living in this world. And like Carlo Cuti said, apparently he was into technology and web That's design right. and so forth, and that he was a saint. So we can be saints, you know, young men who like computers can be saints. And there's a little, uh, we can talk a bit more about his entire life, but I, just one thing about this is that he liked to play video games. And uh, one of his resolutions in one of his retreats was to play only one hour a week of video games. And this man is a saint, right? This young man is a saint. So why don't you tell me from the beginning, you know, where he was born, uh, about his upbringing and how, he be how it is that he became a saint. Okay. So Carlo was Italian, but something you should know is that he was actually born in London. So his parents no worked, yeah, his parents worked in Germany and England for a while. So he was born and baptized in London. And uh, shortly after his birth, you know, four months or so, his parents moved back to Milan, where, you know, he, he was raised. Okay. And, uh, and really, from a very early age, Carlo showed, like, a particular religiosity. Uh, when he was four years old, and, uh, and his mom's father, his grandfather, passed away, uh, he apparently had a dream where his grandfather came to him and asked for his prayers. Wow. And, That's uh, pretty yeah. awesome. So, so, you know... Carlo showed uh, a, a very strong prayer life, even from a very young age. And I understand that his, parent, his parents were not that devout, right? They were Catholic. No, they weren't. Yeah, during this time, they, you know, they no longer attended weekly mass. Even. Oh, no way. And so when Carlo began having this interest and began asking a lot of questions, he would actually have to end up going to his, his family's Polish babysitter. Wow. Yeah. And so the babysitter would be the one who would answer all of like, the, the questions about God and the faith. Good for her. Right. Yeah. A great example of a, of, of apostolate there and of ministry. Like Absolutely. even in a small world like that, like imagine what Carla would have been if he didn't have that babysitter there who was interested in having right. him grow in his relationship with God. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he also had a really big devotion to the Eucharist from very early on. So at the age of seven, he started talking to his parents about receiving first communion. So that was, you know, that's, that's a lot earlier than kids normally receive First Communion. So his parents went and uh, got permission to, for him to be able to receive communion from an earlier age. And, uh, you know, even as uh, a young boy, as, as his father said, um, and especially after his First Communion, he never missed daily Mass. And, and uh, he never, you know, there was, there was never a day in which he didn't pray a rosary. Wow. So that's what, that's a question I have because sometimes we say he was very devout. He had a great devotion to the Eucharist. What was that devotion about in his life so that those who are listening, right, could try to imitate? Because that's the idea. We have a saint. He's in heaven now because he's a blessed. Uh, he had devotion to the Eucharist. And what is, what was that like? What did he do to have that devotion so that we can imitate him? Right. Well, one of the things that he did was he was, he would always show up early before mass or stay a little bit after mass um, to 
you know, to do a holy hour if he could, or just to spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament if he couldn't. So, so he would go before Mass and do a preparation before Mass. And That's right. Reflect on what the Mass was about and uh, put his intentions for the Mass. And then after the Mass, he would give thanks to God for maybe five, ten minutes, something like that. That's what he was doing. Yeah, or longer. He, he has a quote, uh, I can't remember the exact quote off the top of my head, but it's something along the lines of, the more Eucharist we receive, the more Jesus we have in our souls. Right, right, correct, absolutely. And why don't you tell me a little bit about the Eucharistic miracles study that he, he, he did a research and right. there was something about, you know, a website or something like that. Right, so uh, as, we, as we mentioned, he had a particular devotion to the Eucharist from a very early age. At around uh, the age of 11, he got this idea because he was really interested in, uh, in computers and the internet. He got this idea of putting together a catalog of all of the world's Eucharistic miracles and making a website to basically make that information available worldwide. That is awesome. That is awesome. And, you know, we have to think this is back in the days when internet was still just dial up. You know, we're right. talking about like turtle speed internet. So people who were interested in computers in these days, they were real geeks. <laughs> and uh, Carlo had a, had a special, special skill with computers. So, you know, he basically worked on this project up to the point of his death. So from the age of 11 to the age of 15, he was very invested. Right. And that is important because most people don't know what a Eucharistic miracle is. Right. And what are the Eucharistic miracles that we could see today? So. Just as a brief background to those who are listening, uh, a Eucharistic miracle is some miraculous event related to the Holy Eucharist in which for some reason the normal laws of nature do not apply to the Holy Eucharist, right? So for example, a very famous one, the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano, the, the most powerful one that I know of, is that the priest in the ninth century was celebrating Mass on his way from Rome to uh, Germany. He had done a uh, pilgrimage to Rome. He, went, he was on his way back to Germany and he had asked God to strengthen his faith in the Eucharist because he was doubting a little bit. So when he stopped at this small parish, parish church, he celebrated Mass. And when he was celebrating Mass, the bread, which we know changes into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ during the Mass at the, trans, uh, the transubstantiation or the consecration, and the wine that we know changes into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ actually changed into flesh. The bread changed into flesh and the wine changed into blood. So that is a Eucharistic miracle because that's not your typical event. That doesn't typically happen. And you can go today and visit Lanciano, Italy, and see in a monstrance the host that is still flesh it's dried up but it's still flesh and you can see the clots of blood that are are dried up but they're the original blood clots that happen after that eucharistic miracle so there's many other eucharistic miracles maybe not as powerful as that one and he what he tried to do is to gather them together and put them on a website and is that website available today oh yeah you can still visit it uh it's www miracolieucaristici.org. So that's a bit of Italian there. And we'll put it in the uh, show notes. So anyone who's listening and wants to check it out, he can, they can, you can go to the show notes and there we'll have the website printed out. So you can probably like a hyperlink and you can uh, click it and find, find the original website that he prepared. 
Right. And it's interesting. Uh, I have a personal story connected with this website. Uh, you know, maybe about three or four years ago, uh, I came across a book that was basically a printout, you know, a, you know, a nicely presented printout of this website that had um, that whole catalog of Eucharistic miracles. And I was in uh, Argentina around Buenos Aires at the time and actually came across a couple of Eucharistic miracles that were in Buenos Aires. Wow. And yeah, I learned all about them and I was able to use the stories to talk to some of the, the locals there. So like, yeah, just something, a, a small project like that can have just such vast consequences. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the rest of his life, especially the end of, you wanted to share a little bit about the end of his life. Right. So Carlo is, uh, is interesting. He's one of the, uh, those young saints who uh, die very early on and something, uh, he, he dies of leukemia at the age of 15. And uh, something that's very striking about him is, is how quickly, you know, things proceeded. So um, on Monday, sec I'm sorry, on uh, the 2nd of October, 2006, uh, you know, he, he falls ill with like some flu-like symptoms, right? Flu-like symptoms. And uh, it doesn't seem to be that bad. But just like, you know, about a week later on the 8th of October, uh, things get dramatically worse, you know, bad. And so his parents take him to the hospital where, you know, he's diagnosed with leukemia and it's already in a very late stage. So, you know, he'll end up dying four days after he goes to oh the my. hospital. And, you know, there's a total of 10 days between when he first falls ill with light symptoms and October 12th, which is the date on which he actually died. And uh, it's just so interesting because Carlo throughout the whole process has this profound and deep peace that, that really left a deep impression on you know, his doctors, his friends, um, he, he actually said when, when he was asked about, you know, how he had this piece, he said, I'm happy to die because I have lived my life without wasting a minute on those things that do not please God. So he's a, he's a great example of this idea of me memento mori, which is, uh, the, the concept that death can happen at any time. I can come before the throne of God at any time and I need to be prepared. So memento mori is a Latin expression. That's right. And how would you translate it into English? Remember death. Remember death. Very good. And in this case, what I think is what happened with Carlo is that the peace that he had was because he had lived the previous 16, 14, how many years? 15. 15 years, average, 15. The previous 15 years of his life for God, inspired by faith and trying to serve God in every day of his life. So when life, uh, life suddenly came at an end, to an end, he was not like in desperation or concern, what, what I'm going to say to God. He was ready to give an account to God of his life because he had lived for God, right? That's what he meant to say, right? With that expression. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, he, was, he was someone who, who lived for heaven, who lived for heaven. And, uh, you know, he... I, there was a moment when like the doctors came to him and said like, oh, you must be suffering so much. Right. Because leukemia. Right. With leukemia. And, uh, and he responds, I know that there are people in this world that are suffering much more than I am. That's amazing. So he just had a, he had an unusual awareness for others. Um, and in a deep charity, uh, that was, you know, experienced by a lot of his fellow students and, and his own family, uh, which just shone through his life. Why don't you give us one last thought? How did Carlo Acuti's life affected you in any way or what is most striking for you of his life? Well, I'll have to come back to um, 
the concrete example of, of that book I came across. You know, oftentimes when, when we work or we try to uh, say words that we think will be helpful to others, or we try to give a good example, so often we feel like those things end up fruitless because we, we can't see the fruits. Uh, but the exact opposite is true. The seeds that you plant will, have, will, will grow in, in many places that you will never see. And, you know, it's just, it's like a kid who sat in his living room and put together some stories and made a small website, you know, would eventually reach out to, you know, if he, if he was able to reach out to me through a book that was published based on his website and lead me to go through some experiences that led me closer to God, I can't even imagine the countless others that have been affected by, you know, just something he probably did on a Saturday morning when he was off school and didn't have a lot of homework. Right, right, right. And, and I think that a good thing of that is to have hope, right? That the good things we do when we're inspired by faith and we're trying to do the will of God, those things are always going to give some fruit in, in the hands of God, right? And, and according to the will of God. So we have to have hope that the good things we do will affect someone in a positive way, right? That's right. Absolutely. Very good. Well, thank you very much for joining me today and our listeners. And uh, thank you for uh, sharing this great, for me, very great, inspiring story, right? Yeah, my uh, pleasure. One, one thing that is amazing is that if you uh, look online for Carlo Acutis, you can find pictures of him and he is uh, in his tomb, right? So he was buried and then they, uh, it, it seems that his, his body is in pretty good state yet, mm-hmm. which is surprising. It's almost an incredible thing. And he's dressed in his typical clothes and he has a pair of Nikes on and, you know, jeans and so forth. So that's pretty, pretty impressive. So I would like to definitely encourage all our listeners to, to pray to Blessed Carlo, asking for his intercession that, he may, that we all may also grow daily in our faith and particularly in our devotion to the Holy Eucharist, right? To have that same uh, spirit of faith and spirit of hope in God and to share our faith with others. Because there's no question that any good witness of your faith will fall in some good inspired ears, right? And it will touch someone's life. So that's all for today. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Colton, for joining me today. And uh, for everyone listening, please make sure to check out our website at fourcollegecatholics.org. And remember to subscribe to Apple or Google or Spotify to receive all the future episodes where we will continue to discuss different topics of faith and uh, some other examples and some other interviews that we will have. So thank you so much and we will see you next time. May God bless your day.